Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. ESPN NBA insider Jay Williams joins Wolf and Luke to talk NBA in the sun. Brought to you by Midwestern University Clinics in Glendale. Faculty and graduate student-led comprehensive health care. Visit MWUclinics.com to schedule an appointment. Hour number two of the show, live from the Auction Community Studios. Suns trying to knock off the L.A. Clippers tonight. Again, in case you missed it when it first came out yesterday, if the Suns and Nuggets both win tonight, then the Suns will play the Nuggets on Saturday in Denver. So everybody obviously knew who the next uh, team would be. But uh, we know we have an actual game time if they both win tonight. A perfect scenario is that the Suns win tonight. That's right. And Denver somehow loses a second game to Minnesota. Yes. There's no way Minnesota's coming back and winning that series. But if they want to prolong it as long as they can. And look, Minnesota is just craziness. I know. <laughs> they are the hot mess of NBA playoff teams. It would be so nice, though. Can you imagine that in Minnesota? Here, here's a pair of shorts. Slide them on. Pull them up real tight, if you know what I mean. Well, and when they're not punching Denver. walls or each other, they are a decent basketball team. So maybe they could steal one more from the Nuggets and, and push this back a few more days. I, I'm so rooting for that. I, that's what I'd love. I think, of course, Suns fans, that's all we'd all love to see. But I'd love to see, first and foremost, the Phoenix Suns going out tonight with an urgency we have not seen in any first quarter of this series. Yeah, well, that would all be, four games. That would be uh, ideal. Starting this one off quickly um, because I think, I mean, the Clippers don't feel like a team coached by Ty Lue and now currently led by Russell Westbrook that's just going to fall behind and be like, oh, we're done. Okay, yeah, well, I guess we'll see you next year. You know, they, they don't they don't have that feel sorry for yourself, Gene. Uh, at least not now, the way they're currently constructed. Now, we've seen Kawhi just disappear before. I'm assuming they're injuries. But Russell Westbrook, I feel like even if the Suns are up 18 in the fourth quarter, he's going to be out there playing like it is 0-0 and it's game one of the NBA Finals. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think Ty Lue is going to let their role players just disappear either. So what you're saying about getting out to a lead early, that point is well taken because they really haven't done that yet. Yeah, and you know, Russell Wilson, uh, Westbrook, I almost said Wilson, uh, Russell Westbrook, of course, um, he's in a situation right now where he's playing and he's trying to show the world, I'm not done. <laughs> he's trying to show everybody he's not done. Not just the Clippers, of course, but yeah. everybody in the association. Well, you'd like for the Clippers to be done tonight for the Suns. Again, that stat from earlier, they... Um they haven't put a team away on their home court since May of 2007. I think it was the Lakers, actually. And I believe James Jones was playing in that game. So that's that's been a little while. Uh, now, their their record in closeout games the last two years, they are 4-3. and three. And if you throw out that weird Dallas series, then they are 4-1. Uh, and one. So... They've been good in these situations. The year they went to the NBA Finals, they were 3-1 and one along the way. The one team that did extend a series against them was, of course, the Clippers in the Western Conference yeah, Finals. It's, it's an incredible stat. It's an incredible number. But to me, it's so cool because it spoke to just how tough the Phoenix Suns were. Their chemistry and their culture. We were talking about it over and over and over again, of course, as they were in that postseason and the way it was developing. And then, of course, the 64 win season that followed it up. It was just, it was so cool to see them, how tough they were on the road closing out games, closing out series. It, um, it's, it's interesting tonight because campaign is probable. 
And there's a story up on ArizonaSports.com today via Kellen Olson talking about, uh, you know, just a Game 5 preview. But he, he goes through and he talks about what Westbrook has done. He, he goes into detail, as Kellen always does. But he also talks about how the Suns bench has started to actually quietly find its form here as this series has gone on. Nobody looks at the bench and is like, oh, the bench is winning them these games. I mean, they've just erupted for all these points. What did the Suns bench uh, had nine points in their win over the Clippers in Game 4? Six of them from Josh Okogie. But Josh Okogie did play 25 minutes. And so it does, you can make a case that Monty Williams is starting to find the rotation he wants to go with, and yet now campaign is coming back. I'm really interested to see if and how much campaign plays tonight. Because now it's 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 a guy you want to have on your team when he's playing well, but it does kind of throw the bench back into flux if he is going to be in there and play. Yeah, um, I love the fact you brought up campaign right there because campaign is the tip of the spear in terms of the Suns bench, for me at least. And going into the postseason, we were all hoping that campaign was going to return to form. Campaign was going to be a plus. It was going to be a strength for the Phoenix Suns. And that has not materialized through these first four games, of course. So hopefully campaign will be able to take the floor, get out on the floor, and actually produce and play well for the Phoenix Suns. I'm a big fan of campaign, really am. Yet at the same time, I think we all know the expectation is there. And it's just one of the reasons why I look at this game tonight, game five, as a must-win situation for the Phoenix Suns. Not in terms of winning the series, but a must-win in terms of winning the playoffs and the postseason. You got to end this now. I, I, I don't think it's sustainable to have series where you've got Chris Paul and KD and D Book, and you were talking about this as well, Luke. You've been talking about it all series. I don't think it's sustainable. 40 minutes, 40 plus minutes for these guys. Not, not for four rounds of the playoffs, and specifically Chris Paul. I mean, it's not like, I don't think there's any amount Devin Booker could play where in the next round we're going to be like, oh, Devin Booker, he sure looks tired out there. Well, he's calling, he's asking Monty to take him out of the game because he's so winded. Like, it's not going to be that. He'd never do that. No, but it's, it's going to be all of a sudden those shots aren't falling. Like you were saying yesterday, and we've seen it already. I'm not saying this is why, but all, okay, all of a sudden all of the shots are coming up short. Well, that's yeah. because they're playing 45 minutes a night and these series are going seven games each and we're in the fourth round. But they're not there right now. If you just win tonight, you shorten the series considerably. That's why Denver potentially having to go to a game six would be huge because then you actually get some some days off. And again, I'm not worried about Booker and I'm not even really worried about KD. But I don't know how you could not be worried about Chris Paul after what we have seen at times in the playoffs over the last few years. Yeah, you know what? Can I just say, I I am worried about Buck. I I am worried about KD. I am worried about these guys playing 44 minutes, 45 minutes. The the pressure is on them. That's the worst thing about it. They, They, you know, it's not like you just need to win series. You need to win them quickly. You were talking about this. And it, it's so true. Right now, based on what we've seen from the bench, you you need to win series quickly. Not just win the series, but do it quickly. I think that's a, a universal that, that's, stat, though. That's rough. You know, I mean, for the most part, that's it, it's more pronounced with the Suns right now because they are so top-heavy. But 
typically, if you win a championship, you're not going seven games each round. Because you're just going to be so beat up by the end that hopefully you're playing another team that's been going seven games. I mean, that's, that's not unique to the 2023 Suns of put teams away when you can do it. I want to throw this out there, too. Cal- can I, just based on what you just said, you yeah. got two or three guys in the big three for the Phoenix Suns that have had injury issues. Well, that's the other part of this. Especially when you're talking about the postseason. Any, any time you can have them play less games, <laughs> less chance somebody gets hurt if they're not actually playing. This stat, uh, Kellen threw this out yesterday briefly when we had him on, and so I went back and, and, and looked a little bit deeper into it. You realize the Suns, are attempting more free throws per game than any team in the playoffs, and it's not even close. Stunning. For a team that, it wasn't just that they were in the bottom five in the NBA pretty much all season in free throw attempts. They were in the bottom five the wrong way of free throw attempts allowed. Yes. So they were allowing a, you know, a top five most, and they were attempting a bottom five least. They're attempting 30 free throws a game. The next closest team is Sacramento at 25. So it's not even like it's not like oh you know the Suns a couple were two games in and they've attempted you know one tenth more free no this is pretty significant mm-hmm. now especially for a team that it seemed to really be bothering them a month ago it's not like that conversation was years ago that was a month ago it's incredible it really is how many does Devin Booker have if I can be so bold do you have that number right in front I, of you right now I can right find now? that number if you continue because, to talk about well, I'm Devin just Booker thinking, I think we all understand why because Book of course is the one guy more than anybody else even KD Book is the one guy that is willing to put the ball on the floor and take it to the rack he Man. does it over and over and over again for, so, for some reason I didn't look my theory was how much of this is Kevin Durant right? yeah. uh, Booker's attempting 7.3 free throws per game KD's attempting 9.3 <laughs> See, look at that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, now now once again, your impression, does KD put the ball on the floor and take it to the rack over and over and over again? The way we see Book doing it? I, Man, that's stunning to me. Those two guys combined, just Booker and, and Durant, are attempting more free throws per game than the Bucks and Sixers in the playoffs. As it should be. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, obviously Giannis is hurt or has been well, hurt. Those zebras are so good. But it, it, the fact that officiating hasn't been an issue, not because the league's out to get the Suns, but because you don't want to see the Suns get rattled, that is a huge development <laughs> in these first four games. Hey, maybe all the crying and screaming helped. Maybe doing that a month ago instead of during a seven-game series? I don't know. Uh, or maybe it was Kevin Durant coming over the top and saying, we got to stop doing this. And the league obviously respects KD. Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, are heading to State Farm Stadium with special guest The Strokes May 14th. You can win a pair of tickets now by visiting the contest page on ArizonaSports.com. When we come back, what can you expect from Devin Booker in a closeout game? We'll get into that. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns Clippers now. Tip off tonight, 7 o'clock Suns Clippers. Downtown Phoenix, there's also a uh, D-backs game tonight, so just be ready. Center of the sports universe tonight in downtown Phoenix. Wolf. How about that right there? Get a hot dog. Grease it up. Get Eat a hot that dog. thing in about 60 seconds. 
It's, like, it's one of the finer things in life, isn't it? Based on only like sixty honestly, seconds is, is just inhaling a hot dog. Yeah, but I mean, if you did that in the uh, in the hot dog eating contest, sixty seconds, you're not winning anything. Well, yeah, but I, I, I guess I was saying inhale it responsibly. Oh. <laughs> inhale your food responsibly. Um, Devin Booker and you know DeAndre Ayton, for that matter, two guys that um, have been now. What is this? Is closeout game number eight for them in their their playoff careers, which is crazy when you when you first look at it because you're like, okay, DA really hasn't been in the league that long, and Devin Booker wasn't in the playoffs for the first so many years of his career, but they were three and one two years ago, and they were one and two last year, so four and three overall, and this will be closeout game number eight for the both of them, and Devin Booker in particular just seems to have the mentality for it. You know, he just, he, this 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 seems to be what he uh, he lives for. This is Monty Williams yesterday talking about Booker, not his offense, but what he has evolved into defensively, and man, has it been on display in this series in particular. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you talk to these guys, when I first got here, it was one of the things that I, I talked about was his ability to compete on the ball and pick and roll coverages. The way he got over screens, the way he battled if it was a late switch situation and he didn't duck a matchup. And the story that I, I go back to my first year here, we were playing against somebody and I won't say their name, but they were a big time player. And I get a text in the middle of the night from Book. He's like, I didn't have him on that guy. He's like, Coach, I want him. And that spoke volumes to me and that was four years ago. And so to see him taking on the challenge now is not surprising to me because I've seen it uh, for the last four years. And, it, you know, he'll get up, <laughs> he'll get upset with me sometimes when I do take him off uh, of a guy because he, he doesn't want to run from any matchup. He's such a competitor. That is the one thing I absolutely respect and truly admire about Devin Booker, the competitiveness that he brings to the floor on both ends of the floor. He is a competitor through and through. I, The way that he conducts himself, the smolder that he brings, the intensity level that he brings, does it shock you that he is a screamer, that he is willing to actually hold his teammates accountable? No, to me it isn't, and yet he does it with class and dignity. He does it the right way. The guy makes a lot of great decisions in terms of being a team leader. Uh, Here's Devin Booker talking about how his early career has helped him grow into the player he is now, which I I maintain is one of the most compelling parts of Devin Booker if you're a Suns fan, because if you're a Suns fan, you lived through the 2017 season, the 2018 season, and other seasons around that time, too. You lived through the years when they were averaging like 21 wins a year, as did Devin Booker, but now it's not it's not unrealistic at all to say this team could be on the top on top of the basketball world in a month and a half if everything goes right. Early in my career, I was just thrown into the fire. Um, the ball was put into my hands, and I, you know, I had the opportunity to play through mistakes. You know, Earl was here, and Jay was here, and Igor was here. You know, those guys just believed in me. You know, through turnovers, through just being a young kid trying to learn the game and you know, with the ability to score I was throwing a lot of defenses at me and you know, like I said, ability to learn through those mistakes. You, know, you mentioned a lot of coaches. Are. Yeah, yeah sir, that was all one month. Uh, you know, oh, you, please. You, you look back at his path to get here and 
now you're like, oh, that's perfect, right? He was kind of like forged out of fire, right? The way he got that doesn't always work. Sometimes that just that like, break destroys you. a young player. Yes, yeah. break you or gives you really bad habits. One yes. of the two. No, you're right about that. Um, I think with Devin Booker, it took that to get the Devin Booker that we see today. He had to go through that right there so much of the time. The process, the process, the process. I talk about it so often. It's so important individually, of course, for every player, whatever their process may be. And it changes player to player. It does, of course. But I think for Devin Booker and his personality and so much of the time... Your soul comes into play when you talk about the process of you developing as a pro. Your soul is what we're talking about. And Devin Booker has developed that in a very, very positive way, in a strong way. The smolder is there. The competitiveness is there. The demand is there. The accountability that he has is there for himself. Man, I keep saying that we take him for granted. Um, I think we do, and I think you don't know what you got till it's gone. See, I, I, I get where you're coming you take from. Take him for granted, Mel. See, I, I don't, I don't feel like longtime Suns fans do because he went through it when they went through it, but. I'll, I'll go back to the national perspective. I'll go back to Bill Simmons, Ryan Rosillo. Uh, when they were talking about DeAndre Ayton, we played the cuts earlier, and they talked about the Suns for a while on Sunday, but they also talked about Devin Booker, and I always find the national perspective on Devin Booker interesting because this is where I do think, obviously, nationally, they're behind. I think they're probably way too far behind on Devin Booker. They should have understood how good this guy was three years ago. Uh, and again, I'm not saying Simmons and Rosillo because they've been on it for a while. But uh, but in fact, Bill Simmons, I think his podcast is the one where I heard Kevin Durant talking about Devin Booker like six years ago. But still, this is Bill Simmons and, and Rosillo. I'll start with Simmons. Flip side, Booker. I haven't seen Booker, this version of him in person because I haven't seen them this year. It's awesome. I was trying to think like best two guards since Jordan that I've seen in person. And he's whatever that short conversation is. He's so good. He's so alpha. Like he's the alpha of that team. I, I always thought it was Chris. It's actually Booker now. That's one of the things that's I think shifted the last three years. The way he carries himself, he takes everything personally. Um, he does everything at the highest level. I was so impressed. I don't, I'm just going to make, uh, maybe for next week, make my, best players you'd want for the playoffs right now. He's got to be in the top 10. That guy is just an absolute killer. Have you ever heard me say, take things personally? <laughs> Once or twice a day. Before take the your show. job personally, <laughs> honestly. If you want to go out there, especially if you're talking about competing at the highest level our species can generate, and you're talking about stepping between lines, where now all of a sudden you're going to move in a very physical, aggressive, athletic way, whether it's football, whether it's hockey, whether it's it's baseball, whether it's, it's, it's basketball, Basketball, especially playoff basketball. Are you kidding me? This is the goodness thereof. It truly is. Take it personal. And and you won't care what the score is. You, you won't care what quarter it is. You won't care. Take it personally. Your play on the floor, on the ice, on the field. Take it personally, and you'll never quit. Ever. 
Here's the Ryan Rosillo half of that conversation on Booker. You see, to your point, his aggression and that he's not somebody who's settling for threes all the time. Like he goes at you. He attacks the finishing that he has against size. Um, and he's just a man. And it's like the best. He really and is. And then I'm going like, wait, do I not include him in that group enough? And I didn't really mention him. And I was like, wait, you voted him fourth last year for MVP. So I'm like, okay. It's funny, going back to what Simmons said there, because, you know, Simmons has that book of basketball he wrote that's like 10,000 pages, it feels like. Um, and <laughs> most of his focus is basketball, and he's been to a lot of games. What do you say right there? One of the best two guards he's seen in person since Michael Jordan? He wrote a book? Yeah. Really? Yes. Oh, wow. Okay, he wrote that's a lot great. of books. He wrote, like, I don't know, multiple books. Yeah, you know what? Two. I'm getting ready to release my own book. Are you really? Oh, yeah. Do I, am I going to have to pay teams. full price? No, you, of course. <laughs> but I'll buy you a dinner. Okay, well, that's okay, worth it. Okay, and we'll right. talk about it. Okay. That's beside the point. I, I didn't know he wrote a book. I didn't know you were finishing your book. Oh, are you kidding me? Of course. Yeah, but anyways, get back to your point. Now I have what to finish it? my book about hosting a show with Wolf. I got to get that up. <laughs> okay, that's good. <laughs> No, fuck. the memoirs. <laughs> One of the best shooting guards he's seen in person, or two guards he's seen in person, says Michael Jordan. That's that is high national praise. Uh, is... People cannot say Devin Booker's not getting respect now. Maybe you know would you say these two guys as well? Uh, they're respected nationally. Yes. Yeah, they are. It's it's amazing, but. Then you think about it, and you think about Devin Booker and D-Book and what we have seen from him and the way he has developed. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I think we, we do kind of take him for granted around here, just because he, he's so squared away on so many different fronts. Um, it's staggering. And and I, I think, you know, again, it's one of those situations, although he won't be gone for years and years and years in years. But when he does leave, I think then we'll fully appreciate the player he was. Well, that's that's where where I I do think that uh, the Suns fans fully appreciate him because there was so much talk that he might leave or he should leave or he could leave for all those years. And again, never never once did it come from Devin Booker or Devin Booker's friend of the family or cousin or somebody leaking it out, as you see with other players. Or, oh, yeah, I, I know him and he wants to be traded. And we never heard that. It was always just people, mostly from New York, saying he should come to the Knicks. Um, so I do think that that helped Suns fans truly appreciate what they had because... Again, they were winning 21 games a year back then. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, the NFL draft is two days away, which means coming up next, Wolf's going to reveal the second freak of his 2023 NFL freak show. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It is an annual tradition at this point. It is Wolf's Freak Show heading up to the draft. Now, Wolf, I will just say this. Again, I knew who one of them was. Yo. You're doing four this week. Yo. You already did the one I knew who it was yesterday. I don't know who it is today. I don't know. Nolan Smith. Yes. You knew that. Well, well, because you had mentioned it. Oh, okay. Right. But I I have. (laughs) Yes, you mentioned it to me. Okay. But you haven't told me the other three. I have one in my head that I think is going to be one of these three. I'm just going to tell you when you eventually hit it, okay? Okay. Without further ado, let's get to Tuesday's Freak. Okay. Shall we do that? Um, Eddie. Tamiwa Adibara. Ladies and gentlemen, step right up. You will be mesmerized by 
recognized by their potential. Their size and athleticism set them apart from the rest. Forget about the bearded lady folks or the yak woman. This is Wolf's Freak Show. I'm about ready to get freaky up in here. Step right up, ladies and gentlemen. See the man that runs faster than any man since 2003. Watch him stretch his arms wide and pick a man's nose from four feet away. Step right up and see the man they call Arachnid. <laughs> oh, I love it, man. A little Metallica. Never hurt anybody. Eddie Tomiwa, Eddie Barra, is the definition of a freak, even though he doesn't necessarily have special height and weight. But there are many things that make him walk across the freak show stage with pride and purpose, like his strength. Jumping spiders are very strong for their size. Did you know that? Researchers believe a jumping spider can hold 170 times its own body weight. In human terms, a 150-pound human with the strength of a jumping spider could hold 25,000 pounds. But this is not your typical brute strength defensive lineman. At 282 pounds, a rock mid could play anywhere across the defensive line of scrimmage. He can be used as an interior pass rusher. He could be pushed out into a five technique and play over an offensive tackle. Or, as many scouts believe, you could stand him up on the edge and let him bite his quarterback prey. Speaking of biting, a wolf spider can run up to speeds equaling 22 miles an hour for a short distance. Adibara reminds me of an arachnid when he runs. His frame carries 282 pounds of gut and muscle, but his limbs are long and lean. Adibara's arms measure just under 34 inches, and he uses them extremely well, stabbing blockers with his reach, getting separation while getting off of blocks. Rick Spielman, former GM, said when teams go back and evaluate him on tape, he's going to start shooting up draft boards because he's been trending up over the last month. He has the chance to be a unique pass rusher. Spielman is no arachnologist, but his take on Eddie Barra is sound. He most likely will be drafted on day two, but whatever team he goes to might struggle with where to line him up on day one. Based on his performance at the Senior Bowl and the popularity of strong, light three techniques across the league, a rocket isn't quite the risk he would have been even five years ago. He is a strong human being that plays the game with purpose and a furrowed brow. Aditamiwa Adibara is a freak. But like all tweeners, teams don't want to make him a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. Line him up in one position and let him master the jack before trying other trades. Wolf's Freak Show with Wolf and Luke. Aditamiwa. Can you say it? Aditamewa, Adabari. How did Northwestern have the record they had last year? Um, I don't know. 
They have him and Skaronsky's Northwestern, too. Uh, yeah, Skaronsky. A two-man team, though. Adi Tamiwa, Adi Barra. It just makes it, if you can just say that, if you just say it out loud wherever you are right now, it makes you feel like somehow, some way, you could travel abroad internationally <laughs> with nothing but a backpack on and just somehow survive if you could just say Adi Tamiwa, Adi Barra. Like if you were backpacking through the Czech Republic right now. <laughs> you you could like, do it. I don't know how to say I'm hungry, but- <laughs> say Eddie Tamiwa, and they'll be like, uh, NFL draft prospect? Wolves freak, uh, freak, one of the I, freaks of the freak I'm show? I'm so glad I looked it up how to pronounce it because, man, um, that is to read it. <laughs> it does not That's appear not, to be yeah. that. <laughs> it's better that you looked Eddie it Tamiwa, up. Eddie Tamiwa, Eddie Barra. Okay, great. You said yesterday, and it wasn't a knock on uh, Nolan Smith, but it was just kind of like he he didn't clearly um, make the cut as as a as a member of the freak show. But you said today, tomorrow, and, and Thursday all do yeah, easily. When you when you look at um, Adibara, when you look at him, he looks like an absolute freak because his arms are so long. Um, also, too, his hands his his hands are over ten inches. He's got big hands, long arms. He's only 282 pounds, but remember Aaron Donald. It's not like Aaron Donald's 350 pounds. No, that three technique is not coveted anymore. A one technique, maybe, but a three technique that's got a little girth to him? I don't think so. What you're looking for is somebody that is maybe a little undersized, gets penetration at the point of attack, Um, is a guy that is stronger than his body type and this is a guy who ran a 449 think about that base on it's a 449 at 282 pounds have you ever seen a man running a 449 at 282 i can tell you if i do i'll be running the other direction uh, <laughs> no matter why he's running that fast think about this you go and you're you you weigh over 275 pounds and you go to the combine and you run a time that hasn't been run since 2003. And and I was shocked it was even 2003. A man that weighs over 275 pounds, the combine has not seen a 449 since 2003. Yeah, that I'm, I'm trying to put blew it blew my mind in perspective and I know they're not the same build but like even Will Anderson 4.6 Yes. The combine. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> to be 280 pounds and run that quickly. It's just, it's a scary thing right there. What are you going to do if the Once co- again, the, the freak, too, Luke, got to be careful on this one right here. It doesn't mean he's going to be a great player. It doesn't. It just means his measurables, typically, are, are very, very odd. Very <laughs> weird. Freaky. Like, unhuman, maybe. What are you going to do if the Cardinals end up drafting one of these guys? We've now we've you've revealed two of them. Yeah, you've two got of two them. more coming in, and it's not like you're saying these are guys the Cardinals should draft. Sure. Who was the tight end? You had a tight end on your list last year, and it, it wasn't I'm, Trey McBride. Yes. But but I remember you brought him up, and I was like, "There's no way they're drafting a tight end," and then they did with their first pick of the draft. Yes. Um, but it looked like for a second they might end up drafting him too. Yeah, you know that's stay tuned on that one. Okay. Okay. Stay tuned. Okay. Just saying. All right. We'll just stay tuned on that one. Uh, anything? Jelani Woods. That's uh, who it was. Yeah. That. Yeah, that was but the, he the was one. a freak. Yes. 
But, um, yeah, stay tuned on a tight end that could be coming your way, of course. I'm telling you, Um, there are are two left this week. There's one guy I'm absolutely in love with. Well, see, now this, I don't want to give anything away because I don't know. So this is like somebody giving you a spoiler alert for a movie they haven't seen yet. I don't know who your last two freaks are this week. But I know one that I expect to be on the list, and he hasn't been today or yesterday. I'm assuming he's one of the final two, and I'm quite certain he will be. Uh, all right, text us your thoughts to the Fandle text line at 620-620 right now, and score the hottest ticket in town, Suns playoff tickets. Just text TICKET to 620-620. Register and listen for your name today during the noon hour, which is coming up in 20 minutes, so just stick around, and the 5 o'clock hour for your chance to qualify for Game 5 tickets to see the Suns take on the Clippers tonight. Night, a chance to see the Suns advance on their home court for the first time in like 16 years. That's ticket to 620-620. When we come back, what did the Suns need to do to get off to a fast start against the Clippers tonight? And a round of Kevin or Devin. That's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports. The home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns Clippers. Now. All right, welcome back to the show. Suns Clippers game five tonight. I think before we play the round of Kevin or Devin Wolf, I'm just going to throw this out there. Okay. Okay. Lest you think there's like some distinct advantage to go with one side or the other. Devin! Okay, sorry. Game one, it was Kevin. Yeah. Game two, it was Devin. Yeah. Game three, it was Devin. Game four, it was Kevin. Oh, that's pretty balanced. So those two are even. Did I get that right? Yeah, that's pretty balanced right there. Kevin, Devin, Devin, Kevin. Interesting. I don't even know what the pattern would be for tonight. Maybe Kevin. All right, let's just. Enough of this. Let's just actually play a round of Kevin or Devin. Oh, here we go. Oh, man, for Kevin Durant. Looking for the right-hand jam. See the shots that I took. Whip like I'm booked. It's time to play Kevin or Devin <laughs> on the Wolf and Luke Show. <laughs> All right, the rules are simple. You either pick Kevin or Devin yeah. to have more points. It's just against the, the you know, look, if, if Tory Craig wants to have 48 points tonight, it, it, that's great. Good for Tory. But it's just a matter of who's going to score more, Kevin or Devin, born out of the idea that there's not going to be many teams that can stop the Suns because if you focus on one, the other one's going to burn you. Uh, we didn't. We haven't played all four games so far in the playoffs. We've only played three, so Aaron has the standings. So, Wolf, you are 1-2. and two. Luke, you're 1-2. and two. Jesse is 0-3, and, and I'm 2-1. and one. Wow. All right. Oh, okay, I so see now. That's all. Okay. Yeah, all right. <laughs> all right. Well, I think we should let Aaron pick first, then. Yeah, I think so, uh, as a song. matter of fact. All right. It's a closeout game, right? Yeah. At home? I believe so, yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm going book. All right. It's going to be Devin. All right. Okay. Luke, would you like to follow? Or? Devin. I'm going Devin. Yes. You lock me right in on Devin on that This one. is going to be problematic here because Devin is my pick as well. Rick, you wild card, you X-Factor, 
You freak I, show, Rick. I keep posting, or I keep picking Kevin. I'm going to go with Devin just because it's a closeout game. I love no it. way that he doesn't have a great game tonight. You haven't picked Kevin enough because he has been the leading scorer in two of these four games, although we didn't do game four because it was on Sunday or yeah, Saturday. Right. I don't know what day it was. I don't even know what day it is today. All right, so we're all going Devin. That's anticlimactic and guarantees that Maloney will still be in first place when we come in here tomorrow. That's fine. That's fine. Has that ever happened before? It has not ever happened. It's never happened the, before. The last, Kevin or Devin. the last one that we did going into Game Three, you all took Kevin and I took Devin, and I'll just reference that you know Devin had a huge night, forty-five points, no big deal. Uh, I watched that game in a sports bar in California, surrounded by Clippers fans. Yes. So can I ask you why? What your expectation? Why is our expectation that Devin Booker goes off tonight? Uh, because I, I honestly, I think Maloney nailed it. It's it's a home closeout game now. I'm looking at FanDuel, as I try to do now every time we do this. Booker's over-under is 30.5. KD's over-under is 28.5. So even FanDuel <laughs> is going Devin. It's <laughs> just a full sweep for Devin right across the board. They haven't seemed, at least I can give you my reasoning, the Clippers don't seem to have an answer for Booker. And it's not like they have an answer for KD, but KD seems more than willing to just kind of sit back and pass and make the the, the right basketball play uh, if if they if he gets any coverage. Although without Kawhi, I don't know how you covered Durant, and they haven't been able to. But um, Booker just seems more likely to be the guy that drops another 44 tonight. Yeah, my expectation for Game 5 tonight is that Devin Booker goes off, and I don't think KD's going to be far behind him. I think they're going to come out and play their best game of the series. That is my expectation for this game right now. I, I don't think this is going to go very well for the Clippers. I think reality hits home tonight. Nobody knows the value on this team of closing out an opponent when you have a chance to do it more than Kevin Durant. Uh, I threw out Devin Booker's numbers. The Suns were 3-1 and one in closeout games two years ago, 1-2 and two last year because they lost two closeout games against the, uh, the Mavericks. But this is his eighth game where he can close out an opponent. So it's not like he is inexperienced, but, I mean, KD has been in so many of these situations. He's been in the position to close out the NBA Finals a couple times, and he's obviously done it, and he was the MVP in both those, uh, those years. I, I just... Never say never in a one-game situation, but I'm going to be stunned if the Clippers win this game tonight. I am. And, and that's that's not disrespect to the Clippers at all. I, I have all the respect in the right. world for Russell Westbrook. I really do. And I had a lot coming into the series, but man, he is, he is taking it to another level. But I, I just... I just don't see the two guys whose names we just rattled off letting them lose this game. They just don't have enough talent. They just don't have enough talent to hold up to what the Suns can actually put out on the floor right now. I I think the Suns are going to get off to a fast start. I I do, even though that has not been the case in the first quarter in all four games right now. And that's what I think is going to be a bad sign. Ooh, the harbinger of sorrow, if you will, for the Clippers tonight is going to be the fact that the Suns win the first quarter. And if, especially if it's by double digits winning the first quarter. That'd be nice. That will be the harbinger of sorrow for the L.A. Clippers because the Suns have not won a quarter. There was one game. Game three, they tied the first quarter. 27-27. If the Suns come out and they're is energized by an elimination game, Game five, the way that I think they will be, 
I think it's going to be over quickly for the Clippers. We'll see. Uh, here's Shimani Williams talking about what they have to do to win the first quarter tonight. I just want to win the game. You know, if, they, if they win all first quarters and we win the game, I'm cool with that. Um, we're just trying to figure out ways to come out on top. Um, I think we've done a better job um, in the last two. Uh, if Morris doesn't hit that shot off the glass from the side in the in the in game three, we we win that quarter by three. So I'm really focused on starting well. And obviously, if you win the first quarter and win the game, that's optimum. But as long as we you know come on come out on top in the end, I'm good. With that. Yeah, I'm with Monty on that. I think we all are with Monty on that one right there. Yeah, they just win the game. I get that. But uh, I, my expectation is this team is going to be locked in, realizing they have an elimination game in front of them, realizing that they need the rest, realizing that the Nuggets, of course, could be closing out tonight as well. I, I would expect them to come out with a sense of clarity and urgency in that first quarter that we have yet to see it's big to do that um but they've really just been so dominant in the second and third quarters because like you made the point they haven't won the first quarter yet in the series and they're obviously up 3-1 that Monty's kind of right <laughs> like you don't want to come out and fall behind again that's not the goal but as long as they win the game it's not like we're going to walk in here tomorrow and be like, yeah, you know, they beat the Clippers. But, Wolf, I really wanted them to win that first quarter. That's yeah, the one that's Once again, so you, you don't focus enough on the psychology of sport. <laughs> this is the psychology of sport. I feel like I, I focus too much it. on it. Now, stop and think about it if you're the Clippers, base and Onions. You won in game one. You won the first quarter 30 to 18. Game two, 29 to 24. Game three, tied up 27-27. Game four, 30 to 23. You've come out and established immediately that you can actually do this. You can win a quarter off the Phoenix Suns. You can come out and you can set the tempo for the Phoenix Suns. You can do that. You can compete with these guys. And then suddenly you face an elimination game and suddenly the Suns are up 12. (laughs) You lose the first quarter immediately. What kind of message, what kind of psychology does that send to the Clippers? Oh, boy. Well, I don't think this Clippers team now is built to come back from a very big deficit. That's exactly why I'm bringing it up. I know they came back earlier in the series, but they had Kawhi in that game. And that was a game where the Clippers led. The Suns came storming back, and then the Clippers came back and ultimately won. That was game one. But they, they they don't have enough to come back. The only way the Clippers can win this game tonight is if they get a lead and just kind of hold it. And yeah, maybe the Suns get up by four four and the Clippers come back, but if this is like, hey, the Suns are up 12, I just, it would take a meltdown from the Suns to lose to this version of the Clippers, but I do want to throw these numbers out there. The Suns have won every second quarter, they've won every third quarter, and they are a combined plus 43 in the second and third quarters of the sure. series. That is that is where they have been winning these games so far. Yes, and you know, a lot of it, once again, is Kawhi. If Kawhi is playing, it changes everything for me. It really does, because of his toughness. You want to talk about somebody who's tough? It's Kawhi Leonard. This guy, you want to walk through something, some type of difficulty, something that would confront you and oppose you, Kawhi Leonard be a guy that I'd like to see. I don't know that... I don't disagree with what you're saying. I don't know the Clippers fans agree with what you're saying right now, though. Why? Because he just is never playing. 
Well, well, that's when, injury. When that's people, something yeah, completely I, I, I different. I understand, but but he has missed a lot of time, and sometimes it's weird where he's just like, "Yeah, I'm out." Yeah, yeah, I I, I disagree with you in terms of him in between the lines when he's actually oh, when playing. he's playing. That's what I'm saying. Well, that's what yes. I'm alluding yeah, to. But I'm just saying, I know he's not playing tonight. I'm just helping you for when you say, "Hey, Kawhi's Kawhi's one of the toughest players." You don't just get a deluge of, of responses on well, Twitter yeah. because people are not happy with him. There's nothing you do if he's you know if he's hurt, he's hurt, but. I agree with you when he's playing. He just, he is, I don't even want to say relentless. He just is consistently doing what it takes to win. It, it was, it, that absolutely changed the series. I still think the Suns would have won the series, but it changed the whole trajectory of the series when he stopped playing. There's no doubt about that. He changed the the series when he could not play. You better believe it because Kawhi Leonard, you could, we saw it. You yeah. saw it when he did play. We've seen uh, he, he was a huge difference maker. We've seen two playoff series for the Suns against the Clippers in the last three years, and Kawhi has played in two of the games. And he was a huge difference maker. The Clippers won one of the games, and they almost won the second one. Coming up next, we're going to take you through the top stories of the day with Wolf and Down Your Lunch. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.